In this episode of the Unfolded Soul, bless his heart, leadership podcast, decisions, decisions, dilemmas, dilemmas on Facebook, hard decisions, decisions, dilemma, dilemma. Girl, he reads from these journals he kept when he was a principal, uncut and uncensored, putting all his business in the street. The podcast, bless his heart. The name, Ken Williams. Had a very productive staff meeting this morning where I reviewed the current allocation for staffing. At times, my staff is a tough read, but I got through the information, giving staff an idea of what's to come for next year. This is going to be a challenging hiring season because I'm going to have turnover in an environment that's suffering from a teacher shortage. After the staff meeting, I spent time trying to get ready for the leadership development group. For as much time as I've spent thinking about what to say and how to say it, I still found myself scrambling at the last second to pull things together. In any event, the workshop went well. We had a fruitful discussion on two leadership principles that I created and developed. One, leadership's reflective eye. And the second one is from C, letter C, to shining C, letter C. After scrambling around, I really feel good and I'm proud of myself for developing these two leadership principles. I presented both on PowerPoint slides. As I talked through them, I felt like the beginnings of, I don't know, something professional. It kind of helped me springboard over my insecurities and doubts into something that was tangible. I'll know I'll develop these concepts even more over time. I felt like the discussions we had were beneficial. I learned a lot and taught a lot. One of the things I try to do is to show them a human side of leadership. Today I did that by relating a story about LaMarvin and how I was a hair away from throwing this kid out of the school for repeated fighting incidents. He was a transfer who came to our school and once he was there, it was discovered in short time that he was out of area. That gave me the instant authority to withdraw him. And that would have been an easy solution to what was growing to be a large problem. But I took a flyer on him. I took a flyer on connecting with him and it made a difference. He made quite a turnaround now knowing that someone cared for him. Baby, there's a lot to unpack here, so let's get to it. First, that staff meeting. Man, oh man. Of course, the you know, it's the onset of very difficult conversations. I've had difficult conversations with staff in the past, but not this many. <laughs> not not this many. Schools I've been to in the past, you know, you'd have a staff member or two kind of stand out and kind of everybody knew about the underperformance or whatever the issue was, but here. Damn, a lot of people, man. A lot of people. And not bad people. In fact, you know, I talked to my son about this these days. He talks about, you know, some of his, you know, issues at work and drama at work. I said, sometimes you work with people who, uh, in a social setting, you love to be around, but at work, you want to kill their asses. And that's the truth. I had a teacher who 
if we didn't work together, I'd invite him over to every family gathering, every barbecue. I mean, he would have me doubled over. But damn if I didn't want to kill his ass as a teacher. Anyway, this entry really helped me empathize. And I want to emphasize that I'm using empathize and not sympathize. When I work with schools and districts and sometimes I notice just um, there, it's a rare occasion, but there are times where I look around or I'm talking with staff and I'm thinking to myself, how have you survived here? How how has the principal not run this person off? My gosh. But this entry takes me back there because here's, here's what I'm telling you. I'd come to this school from a school that was plateaued achievement, nothing outstanding, but overall the district was pretty strong. And there were no real red flags at my last school. It was a small school, kind of off the radar. But in such a prime location for a segment of our population, not our school population, but our teaching population, it was in such a prime location that if 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 my second grade teacher whispered that she was thinking about transferring, I would get 50 resumes in her office mail. 50. I laughed at colleagues who had to go to job fairs looking for teachers. I get 50 resumes in inner office mail. And again, the school wasn't beautiful. The school was built in 1930, had an addition on it in like 1970. So you know, one half of the building was cold as hell. Another half uh, had decent airflow through it. But it was just the location of it, right? It was it was kind of on the outskirts of the county. And there was a, a, lar- a segment of our population that citizenry that wanted that. And so it was a desirable location. And now I'm in this school in the middle of the poorest performing district in the greater Atlanta area. And this is the poorest performing school in the greater Atlanta area. And <clears throat> I'm not getting resumes. Um, I, I got to go to job fairs. I got to bring two or three people to job fairs and deploy them like SWAT team members. I mean, I got them in black, black uniforms and, and combat boots, just accosting people and dragging them over to our table so we can interview. I mean, I used to interview teachers and I'd have my back to the door so they wouldn't run out like a defensive a defensive lineman or a linebacker. I'd have to block the damn door to keep them from getting out if, if they were a decent candidate. Uh, so what I'm saying about this is this was the first time where I felt that dilemma that I, I'm guessing a lot of school leaders go through right now is, you know, is the devil you know better than the devil you don't. I knew with a magic wand and a button that would allow the floor to fall out from under folk, I would press that button for several people, but I wasn't confident about what was on the horizon. And it wasn't so much that I couldn't find good teachers, could I could I attract them to the job opening so I can interview them? I know if I can get in front of them, I'm gonna light them up. Like I know more, more times than not, I can close them. But it's getting them to come to our school, right? We weren't in a desirable location. We definitely weren't the desired school. And so I remember now having moments just like, am I going to do this, right? And it wasn't about, again, I wasn't afraid to interview all summer. I've had summers where I had to interview all summer. It was, do am I going to have anyone to interview? Are there going to be any candidates to interview, any quality candidates? 
And so I remember having that kind of dilemma. And so I can understand it. I'm going to tell you based on experience and just based on what's right, you got you still got to make that move. And I'm proud to say, and you'll hear this in upcoming episodes, I made that move. I made the move and had to understand that I'm going to find I'm going to find the right people. I think I did an episode uh, in season one about that first time I sat down with what I considered a really high quality candidate, Tiffany Norwood, who said I can say her name. (laughs) Tiffany Norwood. And damn if I was going to let her out of that room that day. And so I had to kind of harken back to that and understand that I have to have faith that I'm going to find. I'm going to put out uh, the right signals to you know, attract people to this job opening and get that thing done. But it just made me empathize for a moment with today's principals who are dealing with the same dilemma. Empathize, which means I understand how you're feeling, but not sympathize where I'm going to co-sign on you keeping uh, subpar teachers and staff on your roster to avoid the inconvenience of having to attract new candidates. No, no. And I've walked it. So I'm going to tell you unflinchingly, you got to make that move. You got to cut bait. Cut bait and have faith that you'll find. You know, with social media, what it is today, what it is today I mean, put the word out there. Use it as a, a, a leveraging arm. Do what you need to do. Talk to folks around town. Make your school attractive. That's one of the reasons we were able to attract some people because what we had going on, you weren't going to see it from the outside, but if I got your ass in front of me, kneecap to kneecap, I was going to close you. If you were quality, I'm going to try to close you. I'm going to close you on this vision, this thing we're building. Ken Williams, Unfold the Soul. So glad that you listen to this podcast. I hope you get a lot from it. It's not the only way to connect with me, though. Listen, if you are tired of equity in theory and equity in talk and guessing at what it looks like in practice, then get at me. If you're interested in establishing a real professional learning community, a real culture of learning for all, if you're looking to get your leadership game on point, then get in touch with me. This is what I do. Go to unfoldthesoul.com slash contact that's unfoldthesoul.com slash contact lastly listen i've got a new book ruthless equity disrupting the status quo and ensuring learning for all kids it is a monster m-u-n-s-t-a monster baby i've read three forwards in my life three a, a, a billion books three forwards anthony but let me stop it. Dr. Anthony Muhammad's written a forward that still has me speechless. And once you read that forward, you know that this book's going to grab you and hit you where you live. It's going to be all up in your kitchen in no time, baby. That's Ruthless Equity. Find it at RuthlessEquity.com. That's RuthlessEquity.com. Let's get back to the podcast. Oh, and the other part of this entry is my man, LaMarvin. Yes, sir. Whew. This was another tough one, man. I'm not going to lie to you. I believe he was, uh, he came to us through the Katrina hurricane tragedy in New Orleans. We, you know, I acquired a really good teacher and a lot of students who, you know, fled New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina. And so... What I remember about this kid is I remember that 
if you talk with him for more than a minute, you knew this kid was really sharp. Like he was sharp. Like you didn't have to dig for it. Of course, we know every kid's got gifts and every kid's got, you know, strengths. But some you have to kind of get beneath the surface to to unearth it. This kid was sharp. Like he's gonna run a business, uh, or he could be running a, a drug dealing empire. Like it's, it's you know it's one of those things right on that edge. And he was big, and kind of intimidating. I mean, you know, we, we were a pre-K five school and. This kid had some worldliness to him. You could just, you could just tell he's seen some shit. He is, he's had some experiences. And as, as hard as my so-called fifth grade thugs wanted to be, Marvin could make them piss themselves. I mean, and that's the truth. And so I can only imagine, I can only imagine trying to come to school with the backdrop of your city being underwater, your home destroyed, and inside of a weekend, your entire family is packed up and you're moving to a city um, not on your own terms. I can only imagine. But just like the last segment, there's that fine line between empathizing and sympathizing. It's like, how do we address these behaviors and issues uh, while not lowering the expectation. And man, that was tough enough on the surface. But damn, if, if if when I got the information that he was actually out of area, I'm not gonna lie to you, my first thought was, let me pack your bags and call your ride. Because you gots to go. G-O-T-S-T-A-G-O gots to go, baby. And um, I don't know, man. I don't know. I just, I don't want to sound heroic because it wasn't heroic. I thought long and hard about this. I went back and forth from this kid is more than earned uh, being sent to his homeschool. I'm not sure why he ended up here. Probably had a friend or relative that was in the area. Whatever it was, he was out of area. And it would have been easy to send him across town and no one, no one would blame me. And I could have, I wouldn't give a damn if you did blame me because I had more than enough data to move this kid. But just something ate at me, man. I just know something ate at me thinking that this might be this kid's last chance. And I just didn't want to sign up. I didn't want to co-sign on that. And... I didn't break down the leadership's reflective eye that I talked about in the last episode, but it's basically this. Every leader has to own their situation. I don't care if it was created before you. I don't care if anybody, somebody else did it. And I, I encourage leaders to ask themselves six questions. What have I done or not done to cause this situation? What have I said or not said to cause this situation? What have I confronted or not confronted to cause this situation? And when I asked myself those questions, what I hadn't done was really build a relationship with him. All he knew me was as the authority figure, you know, whose office he was bounced to after every time he had a fight. And so I made a, I made a conscious, intentional effort to connect with him, uh, build a relationship with him, not enable or coddle or excuse, but build a sincere, authentic relationship with him. And it worked. It didn't, it wasn't magic. He was still a pain at times. But it did soften some of those edges he had. And I'm grateful that I made that choice 
and encourage you to do the same. On the next episode of the Unfolded Soul, bless his heart leadership podcast. If I had a button, one button that I could press and make this man's ass fall through the floor. I don't want him to land and hurt himself, but you got to fall through that floor. I'd press it right down now. You've been listening to the Unfold the Soul Bless His Heart podcast with Ken Williams. For more information about Ken, visit unfoldthesoul.com.